Well, praise the Lord, everybody. This is Dr. Valerie Simpson and Elder Daniel Simpson. And we are ready to teach the Sunday school lesson for this week. Lesson number eight, October 25th, 2020. And the topic of the lesson is God meets Moses alone. We are in the book of Exodus, chapter number 12, and verses 20, well, chapter number 24, verses 12 through verse 18 so grab your uten- your writing utensils devices notepads whatever we want to go through the word of god and we want to retain it so i am going to go ahead and give it over to elder simpson at this time as we begin the lesson elder simpson god bless you well, praise lord everybody this is the day that the lord has made and we're going to rejoice and be glad in it and we're going to gleam in the rich word of god Let's start off with a word of prayer, Heavenly Father, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We just thank you and we just worship you for your son. He gave your son, he gave his life, so we can have a right to the tree of life. And we want to thank you for that, Lord. We want you to give us revelation and wisdom as we gleam into your word, Lord, through Exodus and the first covenant that you have made with the children of Israel, Lord. And now we have a covenant through the blood of Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord, to see your purpose for the church, for your anointing of the Holy Ghost, faithfulness, Lord. Keep us in Jesus' precious name. Okay, I'm going to start the lesson off in, I'm going to lay a foundation as usual. And the foundation is going to be taken, uh, Exodus chapter 24, verse 6 through okay. verse 7. And this was a part of last week's lesson. Right. right. But um, I always get excited when I talk about the blood, the blood and the covenant. Yes. And the blood of the covenant. Mm-hmm. And this is the first covenant that God is making with the children of Israel at Mount Sinai. It is. And this is very important. Mm-hmm. Covenant and, and ratifying blood is very important because... The ratification in blood is a signature. Mm-hmm. Everything has to be in blood because of the atonement power of the without, blood. Because without the shedding of blood, almost all things in the law of the Bible says are purged by blood. But without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. And it also lays the foundation for our new covenant. Yes. So we have to know and understand this. Yes, so verse 6 says, Moses took half of the blood and put it in the basin. Mm-hmm. And half of the blood he sprinkled on the altar. Okay. And he took the books, the book of the covenant, mm-hmm. and read it in the audience of the people. And he said, and they said, all that the Lord has said, we will do mm-hmm. and be obedient. Okay. And that book of the covenant included the Ten Commandments. It also included all of those uh judgments and statutes and, and instructions that God had given him on how to resolve issues and concerns and situations that would occur among the people. And it even told them how to treat their servants. It told them how to treat um, slaves. It told them how to treat one another. It was just much, much detail. And he read it and took that book and they said amen to and Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people mm-hmm. and said, Behold, the blood of the covenant, which the Lord has made with you concerning all these words. All these words, yep. And they so, said, Amen. Yes. 
Amen means so be it unto me as thou so hast spoken. We're, we're with it. We're, we're on board, Jesus. We're on board, Lord. A lot of people, when they say amen, they, they, they really have to understand what that word Yeah, it's means. just not a call and response type of thing. Oh, amen, amen. That's what we say if we were out in the world. We would say, yeah, that's right. But you're actually agreeing to something that's when you right. say amen. Yeah. So be it unto me. So be it. As, as far as I'm concerned. As thou hast spoken it. You have spoken. I'm on board. I'm so, with it. So this is what I like about God: relationship with man. Mm-hmm. Always ratified and confirmed in blood. Mm-hmm. The covenant has no power without the shedding of blood. That's right. It's not purged without blood. And even the covenant that the church has with God is through the blood of Jesus Christ. Yeah, that better, that better covenant, that once and for all sacrifice. So we're gonna go there, but. And it's important to be shed blood. Yeah. That's a price. Someone, something, there was a death. A because death had the, to be paid. Right, because wages of sin is death. And so blood is the substance that came from the death. And we're going to use this blood. And God is going to honor this blood in agreement to what he has said. Concerning his covenant mm-hmm. that he had with his people. See, the covenant is a legal binding, we can say, document. Yeah, absolutely. It gave, it gave God legality in the earth right now. Mm-hmm. He had to have a man to be in agreement. He had Adam and Eve, mm-hmm. and they voided. Mm-hmm. So now he has Abraham, which got a promise. Right. And now he has the children of Israel, Mount Sinai. Mm-hmm. He has a covenant. You know, and, and then too, he said that um, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word shall stand forever. Not one jot or tittle of my word shall fail. Nothing that is written there, not even in the slightest marking, shall fail. So when he gave his word, he was giving us in absolute, and he took it and he signed it in blood. Yes. And that was up to man to bring that sacrifice mm-hmm. to show their part of the agreement. Yeah. And once God accepted it, then it was sealed. It was signed. It was delivered. Now God has a right to establish a tabernacle in the earth realm. And this is what he's going to give Moses through these revelations in this lesson we can read. you got to be in agreement. It's just like us with our walk, walk with God. We uncover the relationship with God through the blood of Jesus Christ, and we have to do our part. So what do we have to do, Dr. Simpson? We got to get this word written in the tables of our heart. We need the word. We need to understand what we're agreeing to. And the beautiful thing is, when you start to read it, and you start to understand it, and God knows your, your heart. So he knows when you're searching it for understanding, and he opens it to you so beautifully. We, we'll see revelations of God. But there are revelations, I mean, there are visual manifestations of God. But we get manifestations and revelations of God when we are reading the Word. I can feel His presence. Sometimes I just, you know, I get just so overwhelmed. But there's power in the Word of God. So now that God has a covenant with His people, okay. now we go into the lesson. Okay. And the lesson starts in verse 12. Mm-hmm. And the Lord said unto Moses, Come up to me into the mount and be there. And be there. And I will give thee tables of stones and a law commandment which I have written that thou may teach the people. 
Okay, so be there and be there. Be there. I think that was the six days, don't you? Yes, well, give the Moses instruction now after Moses didn't serve at the altar. Right. He built an altar. We all know an altar is God's table when he sits across from man to communicate with man after he sees the blood. Because the blood gives us access. The blood has to purge us and cover us. So um, I'm thinking too that we probably don't want to leave this out, that as they went out before any of that happened, there was a certain uh, order that God had when they went up the mountain. Remember, it was 70 elders. They were allowed, they all went up the mountain together. Moses, 70 elders, Aaron and his son, Nahum, and uh, was it Nadab and Abihu. And so when they got up so far, the elders had stopped there. That's your limit. Then, oh, and I think Aaron and his sons here too. But Joshua was with them. And Joshua and Moses ascended up higher. And then Moses alone ascended into the clouds. So there was some order there too that we want to respect. As far as God's uh, setting up this covenant with his people. Yes. So the tables of stones is one of the key things that we want to look at. Tables of stones. Okay, we're the commandments one. So, um, we all know that God gave Moses instructions that he was going to give them tablets of stones, tables of stones. Right. Commandments. Ten commandments. But they're also referenced in the book of Psalms okay. that the psalmist says concerning writing the laws of God on the table of our heart. You can find that in Psalms chapter 40, verse 8. 40 and... Psalms 40 and 8 reads like this. Okay. Got it. I delight to do thy will, oh my God. Should we back up to 6? You can read 6 if this. Okay. Sacrifice and offering thou didst not desire. Isn't that the previous? Speaking of what they're getting right now, there was going to come a day when that was uh, that was no longer relevant. Right. Okay. So sacrifices and offering thou didst not desire. My, um, my eyes hast thou opened. Now I'm seeing even more of a revelation of God that you want more from us than this. Then it says burnt offering and sin offering Hast thou not required? I'm requiring something new now. And even though we're still in the Old Testament and David is talking, David was not only a psalmist and a king, he was a prophet. Because he was prophetic. So he was prophesying, and then he says in verse number 7, Then said I, now these are the words he's speaking of Jesus. He's speaking, these, though they're coming out of David's mouth, He's speaking the words of the Messiah. This is a messianic word. Verse number seven. Then said I, lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me. Then verse number eight. I delight to do thy will, O my God. Thy law is within my heart. So he was delighted to do the will of God. He was delighted to do it because the word was in his heart. He had understanding on what he was giving him this body for to suffer and to die 
and to bring many sons unto repentance. Yeah. And that's where his delight was. Not I delight for my own self-aggrandizement or self, you know, elevation, but I delight it because it is going to please you that through my death, it's going to please the Lord to bruise me because through that wounding and bruising, many are going to be delivered. Be saved and sanctified. Saved and sanctified. So that's an Old Testament reference in, in the book of Psalms. Yeah. Let's go to a New Testament reference okay. in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Okay, so that's your guys book. Hebrews, but 2 Corinthians is certainly the mark, on the mark. All right, and we're going to go to chapter 3 yes. and verse 3. Yes. Okay. Okay, 2 Corinthians 3 and 3. For as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistles of God, so it is made known you have been declared to be the epistles, or in other words, books and letters of God. When people look upon you, they're like reading the story and the will of God by looking at your life epistles of Christ ministered by us written not with ink but with the with the spirit of the living God so these epistles are not written like the tablets right the tablets were written by the finger of God on the on well the, the commandments on the tablets with the finger of God however here it's saying it's not with ink that the writing is done either but that the writing was done with the spirit of the living God. So God's spirit writes on our Holy heart. Ghost. The Holy Ghost. That you have writes the oracles of God. In your heart. On the, on the tables of your heart. On this is for the saints. This is, this is a revelation Paul has given to the church of Corinthians. Mm -hmm. Given to the New Testament. Saints. Mm -hmm. The Holy Spirit. He's teaching good. Writes Oracles, the oracles, laws, the, laws, the, commandments, the, will, the God. commandments, the statutes, the judgments, the precepts, in our heart. all of that he writes it in our heart. So we walk around with As the Holy Ghost writing in our that spirit. people in the world can read you and know you belong to God. Mm -hmm. Because you got the laws of God in your heart and you act out the will, the laws commandments of God. You don't do what the rest of the world does. I'm seeing some things in you that I'm not seeing everywhere and, else. And other folks. I, I don't fully understand it. But then the more I observe you, the more I'm looking at a, something that is being, a story that is being conveyed to me. God is talking to me through your life without saying a word, without you having to pull out your Bible and preach to me or stand on the corner with a clergy collar and a big cross. It's just something about the way you're carrying yourself, the way you conduct yourself, uh, cool under pressure, yada, 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 the way that God, I'm looking at this, and it's speaking to me. It's speaking that there is a God, and that he is alive in you. So powerful was Joseph that when he went before the Pharaoh mm -hmm. to interpretate his dream. Yeah, to interpret that what did, dream. What did Pharaoh say? He said, in you is the spirit of the living God. And isn't that also what the king said about Daniel? Exactly. The spirit of the living God is in you. And then he made the people, he said, listen, tear down that, that, that big, uh, what was it, idol of gold, the head of gold. He said, tear that down because we're going to all worship the God of Daniel. 
because he serves the living God and he is able to bring down. So, so they recognize it through the Old Testament. And if it's through the Old Testament, it's much more illuminated. In the church. In the church. The church will have a reputation mm -hmm. that if you go to the sanctified church, you will get healed. You, you will go get to delivered. any church, whatever it's called. But if the presence of God is there, it is sanctified. Every, wherever the presence of God, the Bible says, where the spirit of the Lord is, right? Yes. There is liberty. Wherever his spirit is. And liberty means? Freedom. Freedom. You are set free. You are set free are not from in whatever bound you up. I have set you free. And if I set you free, nothing, you can't be bound again. Yes. Unless you just give yourself over and go seeking after that. Because in this lesson, God wants to dwell among his people. Yeah, this tabernacle is what we're getting ready to learn about. So he can do great exploits among his people so the world could come. Yeah. I heard about this God. That's what Joe, Joe said. I heard about you with the hearing of the ear. Yeah, yeah. And but now my, my eyes have behold you. Yeah, with my conscience. I, because of what I heard about you, it was so powerful. What I heard, it was so intriguing to me that I just, I just live my life in the way to offer of sacrifices and to walk before you just out of what I heard about you before I had an actual revelation of you. I heard of you by the hearing of the ear and then what did God do? He showed himself to Job in a manifestation. And we got a lot of we got a lot of examples of Old Testament saints who had that testimony. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Why did Naaman go to the prophet to get delivered. Because he knew that this was a man of God. It was this one little servant girl mm -hmm. who was in Assyria and she said as a testimony if Naaman go to the man of God he can heal him. Mm -hmm. That one little servant girl, 12 year old girl that was the king's wife handmaid, mm -hmm. personal servant from Israel, gave a testimony about the man of God. And here Naaman, leopard, shows up at Elijah's place mm -hmm. with gifts to be healed because of what the young girl told the king. Mm -hmm. See, his, his exploit should be among his people. It should be. He gives opportunity. So let's go in verse 13. 13. All right, so now we're in the lesson. And Moses rose up and his minister Joshua. Yeah. And Moses went up to the mount of God. Okay, so they both rose up. Now at this point, they went up to the mount of God. Those two, and it shows in verse number 14, and he said unto the elders, You stay here, or tear ye here for us, until we come again unto you. And behold, Aaron and her are with you, and if any man has any matters to do, let him come unto them. But as for Moses and Joshua, they were going, they were the ones that were called to go up into the mountain. Well, Moses was called, and, and he took Joshua with him. Mm -hmm. And Joshua did not go into the cloud, as we would see. Right. But he went to a, a certain place. Now, as you stated before about these elders, mm -hmm. which was Aaron and Hur, because they proved themselves at this point, able-bodied men, mm -hmm. Moses felt comfortable with get, turning the leadership over them until this space of time. Oh, yeah. Leaving it in their hands at that point. 
because they have been in God's way. They have been, and then they have been given opportunity to come before God too in that last lesson. So they were given some revelation. And then the story of her, of course, of um, her and of Aaron up on the mountain when Joshua was fighting the battle against those Amalekites. Yes. Because they, God said, that's it. You know, they had troubled them long enough. And when he went up to the mountain, but. Moses had to keep his hands lifted up. Long as his hands were lifted, they were winning the battle. But Moses' arms got tired, just human. And as he got tired, his arms fell, and then they started losing the battle. They noticed that long as his hands weren't lifted. So her on one side, they gave him a big rock to sit on. So number one, you sit down and be comfortable. And then they held his hands up, and God honored that. So they had their place at the side of the man of God to help him to complete the work that was given unto him. So they, they showed themselves they to be able-bodied men. And trustworthy. As well as elders. In verse 15, And Moses went up into the mount, yeah. and a cloud covered the mountain. Okay. So the cloud represent what? The presence of the Lord. The glory of the Lord. Mm-hmm. All his glory. And we, and we know that the cloud first appeared When was it back when they were traveling uh, out of Egypt? You know, he led them like a, a, a. It was a cloud by day to keep them covered and sheltered from the blasting sun in the desert. And then at night, it would get cold in the desert, so it would be a pillar of fire to keep them from the cold of the night. So God was just he he was their covering. Yes, he led them through the Red Sea. And the end, through the Red Sea. And then they also knew when it was time to pitch their tents, if that, if that cloud stopped in his face, they knew, oh, well, we got to stop here. Then they would have to pitch their tents, and that meant they God. Were they were so dependent upon God, and they were sensitive to everything he was saying, and they were doing it. And as long as they knew what God said, they were okay. Then he led them through the sea, and he's been leading them ever since. Well, well he, he hasn't at Mount Sinai where he would make cut the covenant with them. But now okay. he's going to give them give Moses some more revelation. As okay. we see in verse 16. 16. And the glory of the Lord abode upon Mount Sinai. Mm-hmm. And a cloud covered it six days. Okay. So for six days they were just up in this cloud. I don't think um, if, if, if you allow me to just use my um, you can be uh, prepared and getting ready to do something for God. And you may be getting ready to go up higher in God. God may be getting ready to elevate you or use you in another capacity or show you some things that you have not seen before. And I remember by an experience I had that I had kept on putting this request before God and I kept asking him to show me why this test wasn't ending after several years. Have you ever been in a test for several years and it's hard? And I said, I keep asking you and you won't show me. And it occurred to me just as clear as day, you're not ready. And so sometimes he has to prepare our hearts to receive information. He has to prepare our minds. Sometimes we have to be built up in order to receive what God has for us. So in that in that six days, I mean, we know that God worked for six days, and then on the seventh day, he rested. I just believe that he was doing some work 
um, in, in his heart, in Moses' heart, in his mind, in his fellowship, expanding his thoughts, expanding his heart, and preparing him for this next level. Because this is a new place. Yes. Just called into the presence of the Lord. Okay, and that's what it says right here. And the seventh day he called unto Moses out of the midst of a cloud. Moses, yes. And verse 17, and the sight of the glory of the Lord was like devouring fire yes. on the top of the mountain in the eyes of the children of Israel. And even though that was nothing new to Moses, his, his calling came to fire, right? That burning bush. Yes. So there was nothing new to him, but, you know, you're about to see something, you know. And they were scared. The children of Israel were, you know, they were terrified. But he's getting ready, you know, this flame, if, if it appeared to the children of Israel, Moses had to see it. Well, yes. Yeah. And then, you know, so anyway, it's another place. It's another experience. Fire on the top of the mountain. You know, I even looked that up. And um, the place where they say was the mountain of God, of all the mountains in that mountain range, this was the highest mountain, and the top of it, it looks like it's been charred. So they say that that was, they believe, you know how they do the little tours and all that. But they believe that that was it. And God is a consuming fire. But we know that by fire, the children, the Hebrew children went into that furnace. And that fire consumed only the bands that had them bound. So he can allow you to go into, you know, a consuming fire and do no harm to you. Maybe just the things that just need to come off. It's a, plen a cleansing and purging. So, and the sight of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on top of the mount in the eyes of the children of Israel. So they saw it. But look at verse 18. So it's like it was a... It, it seemed like it was a twofold thing. Okay. And Moses went up into the midst of the cloud. Mm. So to him, it was like a cloud. So Moses is Ascending in the cloud, in the cloud. kind of glory. Mm -hmm. But when the children of Israel were the were mount, seeing, what they saw was, was, a, fire. was fire, a devouring fire. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't devouring. Right, it didn't destroy Moses. It didn't. And it said he, it got, he got up into the mountain. And Moses was in the mount 40 days and 40 nights. You don't see anything else about fire. You see him in the cloud. But they're seeing fire. They're seeing fire. And what was that for? To keep them back? Or to keep them in awe? It's just to show them the twofold manifestation of God's glory. Okay. Mm. And that would be very significant later on because when God manifests itself, Mm -hmm. to the children of Israel after mm -hmm. Moses built the tabernacle and all the instruments whenever they put their altar their sacrifice on the altar mm -hmm. fire would consume it right and that was God's acceptance acceptance that's what I got is a consuming fire thank you and then in the tabernacle or the most holies of holies, the holy of holies. you would see the cloud of his glory yeah so our God answered by fire. And what about the cloud as the children of Israel were escaping the Egyptians? And remember how the cloud separated at one point between them? Because they, they thought, oh, they're catching up. So the cloud separated. And on the side of the Egyptians, it was darkness. So they couldn't even see. But on the side of the children of Israel, it was light. Twofold manifestation. That's his glory. He's awesome. 
So for 40 days and 40 nights, okay. Moses is up in the, in the mount, in the cloud. In the cloud, okay. And Dr. Valerie, I don't believe it took God 40 days and 40 nights to write the Ten Commandments or Tablets of Stone. I don't think it took him 40 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, but I'm just knowing 40 days and 40 nights. There's a so, lot more. So... Moses being up there 40 days and 40 nights, it was a whole lot of information and revelation God was giving Moses. So I wrote a few of them down because I think they're important to the gospel and to the body of Christ and to the church. Now, now, And to this experience. So if you look at chapter 25, Of Exodus. Of Exodus all the way to chapter 30. Okay. Got it. Okay, I'm in 25 and then I got, I got 30. Okay, so what are we going to look at? All the way to 31. Okay. You will see that God gave Moses 40 different instructions for the tabernacle. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm seeing it. Um, the burn offering, the heave offering, perpetual statutes, peace offerings, priests, baskets, tabernacles, mercy seat, blood sprinkled. Uh, there's so much, my God. Priest garments. But I only want to only want to talk on. I want to talk to maybe six of them. Okay. That. I believe the body of Christ, the church, can enjoy and just relate to and just love God for Mm -hmm. his sacrifice and and the plan of salvation that he's given to the whole world. Amen. Beautiful. And to establish his church and his altars in every continent Mm -hmm. of the world so people can have access to God through the blood of Jesus Christ. So the first one I'm going to talk about is the Ark of Covenant. Okay, so we're all the way in. Chapter 25, verse 10. But, but we're all the way in the Holy of Holies when we talk about the Ark of the Covenant, right? Yes. Okay. So the Ark of the Covenant was... Uh, a chest. A chest that God gave Moses instructions to build. With a specific type of um, materials. Wood, like, was it acacia wood? I'm guessing it's a okay. It was made of wood. And it was going to be overlaid with gold round about. Okay. And in the Ark of Testimonies, or Ark of the Covenant, he would place the tablets of stone. The tablets of stone of the Ten Commandments. Aaron bud. Aaron's rod. That budded. That budded. And a jar of manna. And manna. Those, representing the word. Yes, those okay. were the testimonies that was going to be in the Ark of Covenant, the Ark of Testimonies. That's what, that's what you stored inside of that chest, okay? And then it had to have a lid, a top on it, and that had a name. And that was the mercy seat. That was called the mercy seat. There, there was even purpose and specifics for that. See how, see how detailed and comprehensive God is about what he, he calls for for his people? Yes, the reason why God did this, because it tells you, in Exodus 29 and 44 and 46, because God wanted to dwell among his people. Yeah, he wanted to tabernacle with them. He wanted to dwell there. And so everything had a purpose, a place. And so we learn of him 
and to honor these things. Yes. He just didn't. He just didn't call us out of the world and just leave us to our own. Yeah, you're devices. okay now. You're good. Everything is fine. And yes. So now you took care of that part. You've confessed, and that's what people say. And then they just turn people loose. There is too much more that we would be forfeiting benefits. We would be forfeiting if we didn't look further into the Word of God. God wanted fellowship. He wanted. He he loved his people. Made same, in his image. The same fellowship he had with Adam and Eve. Yeah. He always wanted to have fellowship with man. Yeah, every day in the cool of the evening. And we got the infilling of the Holy Spirit, so now we have God. Fellowship at all times. So we can have him and he can be with us wherever we go. Yeah. He's faithful like that. Yeah. He said, Lord, I'll be with you always, even to the end. I'll be there. I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. There'll be no one scripture says there'll be no strange gods in you. And he said, I, he said, and I'll give you another comforter, and he'll be with you at all times. But he did say, I will be in you as a well of water. Doing what? Springing up into everlasting life. Not just in there to tap into, but it's gonna be springing up. It's yeah. gonna be constantly refreshing, constantly cleansing, constantly giving that yeah. comfort. He come to make his abode with us. Mm. And this is what the purpose of Moses getting these revelations. Now remember, Moses is in the cloud and God is showing him the pattern of this tabernacle. And told Moses, be careful to make that you make it as you see it. Because it was it was a replica of the true tabernacle, which is in heaven. So don't go building extra stuff and turning things another way and using different materials. You are to put in the earth. What I'm about to give you is an earthly representation and model of what is actually in heaven. Yes. And your priest. Everybody's going to have a place. Yes. Just like the priests that operate here, we got a high priest operating on high. Don't go switching things around according to your own preferences. Do it like I told you, Moses, and I'll be with you. And Hebrews said Moses was faithful in was all faithful. that God has given him. In all. See, he didn't slip in none of these things. He didn't manipulate none of these things. He was careful. Faithful. So he makes the mercy seat. The mercy seat are two cherubims. Okay, so that's the lid that goes on top of the chest. Yes. And on the lid, well, it was made out of that same wood and overlaid with gold. And let's see. I mean, I may, we may have to look back at that, but. No, it's, I think it was just made out of gold. Oh, it was pure gold? Yes, the cherubims was made out Cherub of gold. The cherubims were made out of gold. And the mercy seat, the cherubims was made on the mercy seat, mm -hmm. facing each other, wings tip to wing tip. Their yeah, face was like you are. In other words, if you can visualize how a person would have their hands over their head if they're about to dive into a pool and their arms are arched forward, well, that was the way that the wings of the cherubim were positioned, and the and the cherubims faced each other, so their wings were pointed toward each other. And their faces was face looking down at the mercy, mercy seat, where the, the place where the mercies of God, where the high priest would put the blood. Blood, in. yes, and and in the mercy of God, it would be emulated. It would be, I should say, dispensed. And, Distributed. 
And for others, you can go online and type in Mercy Seat and then you can get a visual and they will show you what the Mercy Seat was like that Moses had made that God had shown him. You, can I read this? Yes, you can. It says, uh, the lid on the ark called the atonement cover was made of gold. Mounted on the cover, the ark, were the two stone tablets containing the Ten Commandments and Moses had received that Moses had received from God in Mount Sinai. It also contained a golden pot of manna and Aaron's staff, which sprouted leaves, rem uh, reminders of God's provision for the needs of the Israelites in the wilderness. He always kept them in remembrance of what he did for them. He brought them out, he provided for them, and he kept them in remembrance. Yes, they had to have memorials where they had to remember what God has done for them and yes, yearly. Yes. So the mercy seat was, uh, was one of the things that God has given Moses while he was in the cloud mm -hmm. to make. Okay, and that goes into the Holy of Holies, which is a place where only the high priest, it only not just the priest, but the high, high priest, priest, and the high priest could go once a year, and he could make that atonement for the people, and it would only be good for a year. You got to come back because we got to cover everything that's happened. You know, well, I don't know if it was a year going forward or everything that you did this past year. But at any rate, I think it was the past year because everything was forgiven. And you know what was so awesome about that? This day of, of atonement. Yeah. That if God accepted the sacrifice, they put it on the altar mm -hmm. and the fire consumed it. Mm -hmm. And when the high priest went into the most holiest of holies to present the atonement blood, mm -hmm. if it was accepted, mm -hmm. the temple would be filled with the Shekinah glory. Mm -hmm. And I have friends God. to this. Yeah, oh yeah. See, and when you do what's right before God, God can come in. He can manifest, manifest himself. Presence. He can let you know I am here. Not just by knowledge, but he can let you know by tangible experience. Both visual. He can give you audible experiences where you can hear. He can give you uh, the visual experience of his glory. When you do these things like it's supposed to be done, God shows up to say, I am honoring this. Yes. He put his I accept your sacrifice. Yes. And he, he gives you his stamp of approval by, by like, like you just stated, his presence. Mm -hmm. It's what we long for anyway, the presence of God, to be in his presence and for him to, to accept us. And I always feel better when I go into the house of God and I have experienced his presence. That's why it's that's why it's awesome to have a high priest like Jesus who washed us mm -hmm. and prepare us to meet our God. Mm -hmm. And then those that that's what he does with his blood. Mm -hmm. He cleanses us and prepare us to meet our God. Yeah. He's our high priest. He's our high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So the next uh, item or the article I want to talk about is the veil. Okay, so the veil is the entrance to the holiest of all. So we're starting in the holiest of all and we're going back. So now, as we exit the holiest of all, there's a veil, which is a curtain-like structure that hangs from the top of the tabernacle all the way down to the floor. 
so it covers it completely. It's thick, so you can't see through it. It's durable, so it hangs right and the wind just can't blow it all around. It's an absolutely beautiful, beautiful piece of fabric that's embroidered. I think you said it was embroidered with seraphims. Seraphims. It was made out of blue, purple, and scarlet. That is so gorgeous. And Those like colors. you said, like you said, it was made with, it was embroidered with the cherubims. They had cher they had the cherubims on there, and they were embroidered in the fabric. The Just fabric. a beautiful piece wow. of fabric. Yeah, not piece of fabric, but entire curtain. It tries to give them a visual of heaven mm -hmm. with these royal uh, colors, blue and purple and scarlet. And then the cherubims who flies around the throne of God saying, holy, holy, holy. Right, right. These the holy Lord beings yes. will be on this point. And these, this place is nowhere to take lightly, but with all reverence. And put that on there. And knowing that the very presence of God, of the covenant, and the place where their atonement is made is in this. So they reverenced that place. And the, the, the um, veil was the only thing they got to see. And you can find this... For those who want to follow Search in the it. scriptures, okay. it's in Exodus chapter 26, verse 31 to 35, and it says in mm -hmm. verse 33, the veil shall divide unto you between the holy place and the most holy. Mm -hmm. So it, it's from one, um, from, from one of the chambers to the next. So the um, we're leaving out of the Holy of All and going to the Holy holies, Place, yeah. which is where the people were coming to worship and interact with God. Inside of the Holy of All, God did all the interact. God did all the talking, revelation, giving of information, no human saying anything. But when you got out into the outer court, which is on the other side of that veil, that's where the people came to worship. So that's like the sanctuary, right? Yes. And you got to remember, when King Solomon builds the temple, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. he built, I mean, when you compare the temple that Solomon built to this tabernacle, mm -hmm. the veil was huge. Well, yeah. Because the temple was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. It was mm -hmm. a grand spectacle. Yeah. yeah. And God deserved that he deserved kind that. of temple that David had desired to build for God. And see, David desired, David loved God so much, and he looked at, he looked upon and he said, we have houses to dwell in. He said, but you don't have a place to dwell in. Let us build a place for you to dwell in, and let it be, he wanted it to be grand and beautiful and spectacular, above anything that any person had had. And so, because David had a problem, he had been so, such a mighty man of valor, God said, no, but I won't allow you to do it. You got blood on your hands. And, but I will let your son do it. And David got all, because he had all that favor, and he had all of those other, he was able to go and get the money. He was able to go and get the materials from others. And he just had favor to gather up the best of the best and to build that tabernacle. So it wasn't just thrown up like we do some of these, you know. And this veil is very important in the gospel story. Mm -hmm. Because when Jesus got up from the grave, this veil was what? Is it the same one that that is it the same one? I'm wondering, or is it the one that's Zerubbabel? Um, the temple, the temple. Is it the same veil? In the New Testament, King Herod built the temple. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay, and 
in that temple okay. that fell written from top to bottom. Okay. I was just wondering if it was Solomon's, um, the, the, you know, the, the veil that Solomon had built. Well, the one that Moses had built. Moses built the tabernacle. He built the tabernacle, but it had the... Solomon built the temple. Solomon built the temple. So Moses built the tabernacle. This was the portable tabernacle. Yes, it's the okay. one that they would move until it. Okay, so that's the until they until Joshua. Sorry, placed, but I just had to get some clear understanding of that. Until until Joshua put it at Shiloh. Yes. Oh. And during the days of Joshua and the judges, it was at Shiloh. Okay, right, right, right. And then Solomon built the temple okay. and moved it to Jerusalem. Okay. The Babylonians destroyed that temple. Okay, so this is the portable tabernacle, and that one was. So the, in Jesus' day, mm -hmm. King Herod Built rebuilt one. the temple. Yeah. And brought it back to its grandeur. Okay. That veil in that temple, Jesus rose from the grave, split from the top to the bottom. Mm -hmm. And now the mercy seat or the presence of God is open, is open to all that right. can come. Tore down the middle wall of partition yes. that was between us. And he has made both ones. So there was a time when it was just Jew. And then, but I mean, it was just when the Jewish people were allowed. But now when Jesus opened it up, it was open to all humanity. Yes. So that brought the Gentiles in. So everybody, every nation, kindred and tongue, we're now able to have access to God through Jesus. That's why the scriptures say, come boldly before the throne of grace. Mm -hmm. I don't have to get a, a earthly high priest to offer up my sacrifice or go to God on my behalf. Yeah, be an intermediary. We got the great high priest now. Jesus is. And the book of Hebrew tells you that God gave him the priesthood. It don't say that Jesus wanted it. Mm -mm. I think the first chapter of Hebrews says it pleased God to give him the priesthood and then say your priesthood is going to be after the order of Melchizedek. And, and, and he wasn't under Levitical priesthood no. either. That was the thing because only the Levitical priesthood, that's the only ones that could be the, the priests were the ones that came out of that tribe of Levi. The Jesus. Well, the descendants of Aaron. Yeah. They got the high priestly order. And then the Levitical priests got the, got the other. They had that they had different, different custodial type of yes. ministry. Okay. They had different divisions that they ministered to. They body. ministered into. But Aaron and his descendants got the high priest. The high priest. Order. There's a difference. And that's going to show you just how much mercy God had on Aaron. We'll read that when he messed up. We're going to read that next week, aren't we? Yeah, when he messed up. Okay. So we're going to read about that on next right. week, but actually right now we have um, just the time for um, just looking at how God is giving him all this order. So you were going from the holiest of all, you went to the tabernacle, you went to the the veil of the temple, all right? And now we're going to go and talk about the anointing oil. Okay. And that's going to be found in... Exodus 30, verse 22. Okay. Okay. So, God gave Moses instruction on how to make this anointing oil. Yeah. This anointing oil is so important. So, the oil is so important that he had to tell them how to make it, both with the... Um, the materials and 
um, every herb and how many gallons. And I looked that up and it was like pounds and pounds of, of cinnamon and pounds of, of different things, but only like six quarts of oil, you know. So when you start pouring all those different spices into there, they add fragrance and richness and they go into oil like the olive oil for like the carrier, you know, of all these fragrances. And so it was rich and the fragrance was just, it's just overwhelming. It was heavenly. It was divine. And the purpose of this divine. anointing oil mm-hmm. was, it was mm-hmm. a specific purpose. Anybody just couldn't have this uh, oil. Uh, anointing oil. In this lesson, yeah. it was made for the high priest. Right. And it was made for the high priest to be anointed for the day of atonement. Right, right. To go into the presence of the Lord. And so the, all of that gave them fragrance to um, the enter in with that fragrance. It had antibacterial properties, which represented the cleansing properties, which represented cleansing. And then it had healing properties, meaning that there was going to come, that healing was going to come out of this experience. If you really study the oil, you'll find out that God has something representative in every element of that oil that was going to be for the people of God. So, it's, so the oil is important. All right. So on the Day of Atonement, they poured it. When the high priest put on his high priest After he had washed. Garner. Mm-hmm. The breastplate of righteousness that represents the 12 tribes. He had a crown that said, Holy unto God. Yes. When he put on all, all of that, this, they anointed him with this oil. And it saturated him. It wasn't just a smear or a cross on the forehead like no, we they see. They poured it. They on poured it on the head. And it on his head. And it rolled down. And it ran all the way down. To his beard. Then it ran into the garments. garments. And it kept saturating till it went down his garments until it dripped from the hem, which was all the way down at the floor. So he was totally saturated prepare in preparation, which represents that saturation. And Jesus, he purchased this anointed oil for the church yeah. in the Garden of Gethsemane. That's another gospel message for the sake of time. Yeah. And the next one I'm going to talk about is the sweet incense. Okay. Now, the key point about the incense and anointed oil, God says this right here, and I'm going to read it for the sake of time. It says, Whosoever compound any like it, or whosoever put any on it upon a stranger shall be even cut off from among the people. Yeah, because it wasn't for everybody. That was the was anointed only oil. For the, um, yeah, that wasn't for everybody at that time. That oil was only supposed to be consecrated for the high priest. Alone. Alone. And, and so that's how important it was. He said, if you do it, you'll be cut off. But now the anointing is for whosoever. And also the king was anointed at their... Yeah, later on they started anointing the kings. For, yeah. for their um, for the role that they had to play in, yeah. in ruling over God's people. Okay. And the sweet incense also had that whosoever shall make light unto it to smell thereof shall be cut off among the people. So it shows you just how important that anointing oil was. Mm-hmm. It was exclusive. Yes. The sweet incense. Yeah. That the high priest had to take into the presence of the God of the presence of the Lord when he went into the most holies of holies. Right. This was so important. 
And we know that incense is a type of what the prayers of the saints. Yeah, that's what Revelation says. Yes. And 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 then you know when our prayers go up before the Lord, they go up as a fragrance. Too. Sweet smell of fragrance. Yeah. Now, all of this and the purpose for all of this mm-hmm. is found in Exodus chapter twenty-nine and verse forty-five and forty-six. Okay. This is what it says. Okay. In verse 45, it says, I would dwell among the children of Israel, and I would be their God. Mm-hmm. And 46 says, And they shall know that I am the Lord their God that brought them forth out of the land of Egypt, that I may dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. Mm-hmm. So God's purpose to set up this tabernacle and all of these instructions, all of this furniture, all this article, for him to be dwell among his people. All of these things. Bring my presence. Keep me with you. Always in your midst. Amen. I think we got to get ready to go ahead and close on out. <clears throat> so I'm going to read in Hebrews. And this will close us out. In chapter 9. Okay. So Hebrews chapter 9 reads like this. Okay. Then verily the first covenant, which has ordinance of divine service and a worldly sanctuary. Mm-hmm. For there was a tabernacle made, the first, wherein was the candlesticks, the table, the showbread, which is called the sanctuary. Mm-hmm. And after the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holies of all, mm-hmm. which had the golden censer, the ark of the covenant, overlaid round about with gold, wherein all was the golden pot that had manna, the iron rod that budded, and the tables of the covenant. Okay. Verse 5, and all of the cherubims of the glory showing the mercy seat, or shattering the mercy seat, of which we cannot now speak partiality. Verse 6, now, go ahead. Mm-hmm. But now, oh, sorry. Verse 6, now when these things were thus ordained, the priests went also into the first tabernacle, accomplishing the service of God. But into the second went the high priest alone, once every year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the errors of the people. The Holy Ghost, this signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet manifested while as the first tabernacle was yet standing, which was the figure for the time when then present in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could be that could not make him that did the service as pertaining to conscience which stood only in meats and drinks and divers washings and colonel ordinances imposed on them until the time of reformation but Christ being oh, Christ. but Christ being come and high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle and uh, not made with hands that is to say not of this building of his body neither by the blood of goats calves but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place having obtained mercy having obtained eternal redemption for us for if the blood of bulls and of goats and ashes of heifer sprinkled the unclean sanctified to the purification of the flesh. How much more shall the blood of Christ, How much more shall who the through the of eternal, spirit, the eternal offer spirit, offer himself without spots to God, purge mm-hmm. our conscience from dead works 
to serve the living God. Amen. He's a mediator between a better covenant. Yes. So we are, we're out of time. There's <laughs> so much to go. I can't run out of time or else we'll have to do a second one. But this is a lesson that's comprehensive. I would suggest to you to finish reading chapter number 9 and please read chapter number 12 of Hebrews. All right, well, we're going to go ahead to the only wise God, our Savior, to Him be majesty, dominion, and power, both hence now and forevermore. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Amen.